Hey, it's Demi, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week's episode is all about our career journeys. I know if you're listening right now, you may be questioning the pathway you are currently going down or whether you have made the right choice about the work that you're doing. This episode, we really focus on how a curly career, something that isn't so linear, something where you jump from one job to another can really be a great asset. We discuss the ups and downs of taking risks with your career, trying new things and succeeding in bursts. Today's guest is Matthew War. He's a founder, father, fiery and a true people person. I think as you listen to Matthew's story, you'll find that one thing that is common throughout all of his career journey is people. He always found a way to connect, network and keep relationships with people. And that is one thing that has allowed his career to thrive the way it has. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So let's jump straight into episode 50 of the podcast. Your career isn't supposed to be linear. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining me today on the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today. I know you do a lot of really cool things and excited for everyone to hear a little bit more about all of that. Yeah, thank you for having me. I came across the stuff that you're doing and I thought it was really interesting. And yeah, I'm stoked to to be included as as someone to, to have a chat with. Back at you after we had a chat before we've started this interview and and hearing your story, it's really in line with what we've been looking at this season of people who aren't afraid to switch paths and adapt to what life throws at them. And I think your story truly embodies that. But before we get into that, and people are probably listening now being more and more curious about what's to come, I start off the podcast with three of the most ridiculously boring questions ever. (laughs) And I literally say this every time, but it's something I did from season one. And I started the podcast off like three, nearly four years ago now. And I just feel like it'd be rude to change the questions. We've we've started off with the theme, so let's keep it going. So the questions I have for you is, what is your name, age, and what do you do or what are you known for? Matthew War. I'm 30. And um, my mates make fun of me because at uni, they actually put a poster up around which had, I'm a founder, father, farmer, and I'd say I'm not that good at all of them, but I give them all a crack. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is amazing. And and you've got, like I mentioned before, you've got such an interesting story about how you, I guess, got all of those titles and <laughs> where you were before that. And it's it's crazy to me that you are only 30 because it sounds like you've had just like a lifetime of different careers and different ways of really living. So did you want to dive into a little bit about where things kind of began with you? Maybe we start off with what you studied in uni, where you thought life was going when you were in school. Yeah, I mean, I guess to go one step further back from uni, and that's probably what sort of shaped a lot of the things that happened was that my dad got a job over in Hong Kong. And, um, and that took me away from, I was sort of, all I knew was the Gold Coast at that point. And the sort of the roadmap that me and my mates were on was you would 
you try and make the local footy team. And if you could make the local footy team, you'd achieved everything you could ever hope to achieve in life. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and, and so um, and, and my dad got a job over in Hong Kong. And for me, that was just this incredible eye-opening opportunity to, to sort of one, the diversity of skill sets in the world and the different routes in which people can sort of end up where they end up. Like we had career day sort of things at the school over there. And some of the, the, the parents that came in and spoke, you know, they changed into being um, Forex traders at the age of 40. And now they're based over in Hong Kong and they'd lived their life up until then as roadies for bands and things like that. And just, and just getting that awareness at that age sort of probably let me know, you know what, I don't know what I want to do right now. I'm completely sort of torn in terms of identity crisis that I wanted to be really dedicated to my sport and to my footy. But then at the same time, I wanted to, to find out what it was I was actually good at. And I felt like at that point was the first time I considered, hey, if I don't try everything, I'll never find the thing that I'm that that matches my skill sets. So that was, yeah, that was probably the start of where I decided I'll put my hand in every possible pie and, and see um and see what things sticks and see what things I love and 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 go from there. And also, uh, I guess it taught me that things aren't forever. I you know I'd, I'd looked at my life in the Gold Coast as that was all it was going to be, and that's where I you know I never really considered that you could separate segments of your life into different times and different needs. So um, yeah, the schooling sort of sort of shaped that dynamic lifestyle for me, and, and the ability to sort of uproot, be adaptable, be willing to try new things. Um, and then I had a couple of years living in England, playing footy over there, um, which again, I open up for me getting to to see what the world's like when countries are only half an hour away, as opposed to four and a half hours on an airplane, um, and just getting to you know different cultures, different lifestyles, stuff like that. And then came back to Australia and did my uni and, and started my professional, I guess, working career. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to stop you before we get into your work stuff because I think the the Hong Kong story is super interesting, and I think there's there's this kind of I, I don't know if if you ever went through this phase or or you still do this kind of thing, but I remember when I first was confused about um, where I wanted to go with my career and what I wanted to do podcasts were a super like um pivotal part in my life in terms of like I would hear people's stories and at the time it was very entrepreneurial like I would listen to all of these people that would have built these incredible businesses and they all had this like one moment in their life this like usually it was like some form of a tragedy or a near-death experience or hitting rock bottom where they realized that life wasn't going to go the way it was. And the more I interview people and the more I chat with people, I realize that these stories don't have to be crazy, oh my God, near-death kind of experiences. They can be a tiny thing of you literally being pulled out of the community or world that you have known and move somewhere else and that can happen for people sometimes with an overseas experience with living somewhere else with a gap year with going to university and being out of their high school experience Mm -hmm. so I think that thing for you really seemed to have shifted your perspective and I'm sure at the time it seemed kind of crazy how did you adapt to that at the time no I I was pulled into that change kicking and screaming (laughs) I um uh, it was it was against everything that I thought I wanted in my whole life and I actually now looking back and 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 the relationship I have with my parents um it had it went through a lot of mending because I was really angry at at sort of the age of 11 and 12 to get taken away from everything I knew and everything I wanted and put in this position where I had to adapt I was you know I had to really um 
I guess, learn from the people around me, which was something you never know you do when you're a kid and you stay in your environment. You just sort of evolve and become the person you're going to become, but you never really feel like you're learning again because it's also incremental. Whereas when you take someone out of an environment smack them into a new one they, it's on them to to you know catch up and to get up to speed with how things operate and what the normal is and and then i think you you really appreciate what makes you unique because you're coming into an environment that exists it's an ecosystem that's doing what it's doing and then you're bringing these new variables in you're actually it kind of for once you get, you get your head around it you realize that the, your experiences and the things that that you thought everyone shared with you are actually what makes you unique and gives you strengths and, and those strengths are then what makes, you know, the, the relationships around you, which, which makes you thrive in different circumstances, which challenges you in other circumstances. So, I was, yeah, I, I guess it gave me a lot of self-confidence once I'd come out the other end of that kicking and screaming tantrum throwing experience. Yeah, and, and we, I think any of us, like when it comes to something that's changed or unfamiliar, we do tend to resist to it. Like even me, as much as I know how important change is and how much pushing myself out of my comfort zone is, whenever it comes to taking that step again, I'm like, I really don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> can we can we skip this part and can I get to when it's good? But usually when you reflect back on it, it's that, um, it are those, it's those moments of those uncomfortable decisions that end up being, the best memories or the things that you're most proud of versus like the outcome of what happens, which for you, it seems it opened a lot of different doors for you. In yeah. the end of that. I think, I think it, it opened perspectives. It, it opened potential. And I, and now when I, you know, come back to Australia and I chat with my mates and stuff, I'm really stoked that I can then also be a gateway to that potential for them in explaining, you know, in just in wider perspectives and challenging thought process and sort of taking breaking the echo chamber a little bit yeah and it's yeah I, I mean I'm 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 well aware of how lucky I am to have had that experience but now I sort of I try and really use that experience as, as a driving force for both me and the and the community around me to to see what we can create and do and I think I think all of this is going to really make sense as we go into the rest of your career journey. But, but it is, I think, the, the two values that we really hold the most at the millennial crisis. And by I say we, I mean like me and like everyone that's part of the community that we've got here. It is conversation and community because like I truly believe that those two things can really transform a person and it sounds like so dramatic it almost sounds like preachy and almost cult-like like I always joke <laughs> about that but it is it is why like I think institutions like um I mean like the church and religion and all of that kind of stuff hold so strong in their values no matter how beautiful or ridiculous people can see them is because they have those two things they have constant conversation all the time they have mm -hmm. constant community gatherings and stuff like that and for you it seems like opening yourself up to different communities you were mm -hmm. able to gain those different perspectives and then bring them back to your own and say like hey actually did you know that this exists you know mm. did you know that making money doesn't actually just have to come from one job <laughs> where you labor all the time or you know that you can just do things for x y and z and I, I'm curious to know what was one of the biggest lessons from that um that Hong Kong trip purely I'm um, talking about that you learned from that that really you've bought with you everywhere else the size of the world, I think, and the size of the opportunities around us. 
and it's so easy to sort of I guess get overwhelmed when you first start looking at that but then also it gives you an insight into how the potential to grasp it is there for everyone as well there is just so many different opportunities around you in every facet of everything you do that sometimes you you become um not oblivious like you uh uh, numb to them when when you're constantly sort of in that ecosystem I was talking about where it's just there's nothing unexpected coming at you you don't probably realize that every single you know unique uh, situation that that you go through in your day that's an opportunity for something that you could be an expert at or that's an opportunity for something that you could create a, a gap in a market for like there's all these things that once you get into that you realize you're a tiny little fish in a massive pond then it's really overwhelming, but then it's also really humbling because then you're like, okay, awesome. That means I could start in this tiny little section here, which actually has massive potential if you look at it from that wider perspective. So it's kind of like the, the idea of diverging and then converging. Like if, you, if you're looking at yourself and then you go, wow, the world is so big. And then you, but then you go, okay, well, that means there's these, you know, thousand things that I could potentially be really great at that could make, you know, make me feel purpose in my life. And then you converge on those on those ideas, but you need to have that wider perspective to get the right laser focus. And I think that was definitely the, the learning thing for me was that, yeah, yeah, take the blinkers off, find what it is across a broad spectrum of things and then put the blinkers back on and, and, and nail the things you set. You know, if you commit to something, deliver on it. And, and if it's not the right thing, then pivot and, and start a new thing. Yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening right now and they're stuck in that, mundane routine and that kind of monotony that we can have and feel when it comes to like nine to five or an office job and that um that comfortable routine because we're familiar with it and we've been doing so long but also that that it is affecting our motivation our excitement for life our mental health uh, the way we approach different situations and I think it was really nice the way you you said that and that lesson that you learned because it showcases to people that are feeling that way right now that it actually it's not necessarily going to be them being taken away and taken to Hong Kong for them to be able to have that. It's just about turning your head a different direction while you're in the office and starting up one conversation that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't usually. And that ends up snowballing into other things because it's those little bits of confidence where you realize like, oh, changing my life actually doesn't take that much. It's just these small little steps forward I guess and so yeah a really awesome lesson to learn yeah and I I think we might go into it um later in the chat with in terms of the I guess the technology side of where I am in my career now but a big element of successful deployment of of technology outcomes is the small iterations and it seems and then I think it applies here in terms of someone's life if you can look at changing one percent and it sounds a bit corny but you look at a one percent improvement but you do it over a hundred days well you know that you're going to completely transform yourself into something new, something better, something, but it's only possible if you're using a feedback loop from the day before. So each experience you have, it's not to say that it's redundant. It's, it's how can you maximize what that experience is and then go, okay, I love these parts of that experience. Okay. Let's change 1% of that so that we get a little bit more of the things you love and a little bit less of the things you don't love. And then, you know, go on those trajectories. And I think that's a really cool thing and something that, we, if if we if you don't sort of stop and, and look at it holistically, it can be quite hard to see the how you can get to that to the you know the end point. 
Whereas if you're just looking one day at a time or one percent at a, you know at a, at a time, that incremental change it's 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 a lot less overwhelming and, and easier to achieve and and can yield really great results for you know your your internal your intrinsic happiness. I guess. I, I think it's 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 interesting to me to hear the way you explain what what you just did then about those small steps. It was very product development slash like <laughs> entrepreneurial, but also like mindful as well. And I think the beauty in that is these days, well, maybe it's a lot more. It's like Gen X and and boomers and stuff can look at millennials and and Gen Z as us not knowing where we want to go or trying different careers and stuff is a very like terrible thing. However. Anyone that I've spoken to that has shifted careers or lived life in different kind of segments, which um, you said something similar to that about like you live, you've lived your life in different, I can't remember the word you used, but it was, it was something along those lines, like in different phases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you've been able to mold them all together and come up with this perspective and outlook which I think takes a little piece of each I'm sure the sporting really taught you one thing I'm sure the product development stuff and the tech stuff taught you another thing the entrepreneurial stuff something else like a culture shock you know adapting (laughs) to that I'm sure would have taught you something and I think it's it's really nice and for anyone who is questioning you know, or getting down on themselves for the fact that they have been trying all these different things and they feel like nothing's working Mm. to listen to the way Matt speaks and think like, it actually is, it's really great. And you'll come to a point where you're going to be like, everything's kind of overlapping right now. And the reason I'm so good at whatever you decide to do after that is because you tried all those other things and took a piece of all of them, which is, which is really cool. I think it definitely feeds into that concept of win or learn. And if you're trying to do all these things and now, and I mean, even in the workplace now, it's, it's ironic and it's a hundred percent true what you said that there's that connotation that if you're bouncing from different things, it can be looked at as a, a negative from sort of the generations prior to us. But if you're hiring for someone right now, the things you're wanting is a breadth of experiences. The things you're wanting is someone that's been willing to go, you know, I have a hypothesis. I have an assumption of what I think is, is going to be good for me. And I went out there and I executed it. And you know what? Not achieving it is also just as valuable as achieving it because it's one step closer to the thing that you are going to absolutely nail. But you've got to be in a psychologically safe enough space in to, to, to go out there and, and go after it 100%. And I think that's where maybe that, that mindful concept comes in where I, I think you kind of get you kind of get addicted to the to the feeling of failure because it's 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 all like it can either be really uh, weighing you down and really like a, a, it slows you know it causes lag in your ability to want to try new things or it can be really like enriching and fulfilling it's like ah crap i failed at that like my assumption was wrong sweet new assumption new experiment new approach like it can be really energizing as well and that's something that i think our generation really can can get behind and, and embrace is that we we try more experiments than anyone has ever tried in their lifetime. We're getting access to more information at a quicker rate than anyone's ever had. So of course we're going to have more assumptions and hypotheses because we're, we're more aware, right? Like we, we, we're so in touch with so many different sources of, of, of thought that we have to be, you know, in a position where failing's okay. And we have to feel like failing's a positive thing. I totally agree. I want to, 
hear about the next thing because I know we've just scraped the surface of of how your kind of journey's gone so you've you've played a bit of sport in England in the UK you've played um football or baseball mm-hmm. but soccer was it or no 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 so I, grew, I grew up playing rugby league okay and, rugby. Then, and then yeah then when I went to Hong Kong rugby league's not a thing there so it was union and then over to England was with union and then back to Oz playing a, a mix of both okay cool so so then, so you came back to Australia and you decided you wanted to go to uni? Yeah, I was really fortunate. One motivation being my parents, but the other one, uh, I guess, <laughs> and it feeds into what I was saying. I wasn't good enough at footy to, for footy to be my sole focus. I think if I'd been a little bit better, I might have actually been um, inhibited by it because I was lucky enough that it was like, yeah, there's an opportunity here. There's a chance, but, you know, don't don't risk losing everything else because you're pursuing something, you know, in, in, in that matter. And, and the people I was very fortunate to have honest people around me that told me, look, you're, you're okay. <laughs> you're not, you're not great. And, um, but I, I love the team environment and I love the culture and I love the competition and all that stuff. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to use that to help me be the best version of me, but also I, I'm going to make sure I go to uni and, and I make sure I, I, I upskill myself so that I'm in the best possible position you know, five years from now, six years from now, I sort of, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I made sure that I didn't shut any doors pursuing other things, which was, yeah, it turned out to be quite lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you study at, at uni? Yeah, so my, my um, first degree was management and I majored in sport and exercise. And then I've just recently finished a sports science degree. And I absolutely don't use that in any way in my employment, but I always wanted to be a PE teacher and um, and I started it and then I fell into the corporate world and I decided when I came back from working over in Asia that I'm, I'm going to finish it. So now I'm the yeah, least qualified sports scientist degree holder you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. But I, I, I wonder like, what was, was the decision to come and finish it as in ha- that same kind of mentality of your first degree of, if I want to do this later in life or if something doesn't work out, then at least I can, it's like having it, leaving a door open for yourself in case you change your mind later or. I think it's a mix of, I know what I loved when I was 19 and things may have pulled me in different directions. Maybe I'll love that again. I don't, I don't, there's, if, if it was, if it inspired me enough to start it, it, it could inspire me enough to finish it too. And if I can manage my other obligations and things like that, I also felt like finishing it would give me a sense of, you know, completion that I think is important in terms of like talking about the failure side of things. If you don't see it out to the point of failure, then you, you, you can't learn from it. So I, I had to at least finish it. So I knew if it was something I wanted to pursue or not, because I couldn't imagine anything worse than, you know, five, six years from now wanting to pursue that. And then, you know, my, my decision to, to not uh, go through with it being, being something that held me back. So I was, there was a few motivators in it, but um, yeah, the other part probably, and, and probably the number one is I'm just competitive. So I didn't, I wanted to beat it. <laughs> I was going to say, was it that or was it the fact that you just like needed to finish and make sure like prove that like, yep, I could put like it was done, yeah. um, which is, which is, um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's so funny. I think as well, how different people's like mentality can get them through different different aspects of things and it's it's something that I that I find really interesting when I hear different people's stories because for you it would be like I need to finish it because of this and someone else would have been like I saw no point in it and I had one subject left and I thought I don't need this so I just didn't even bother and mm-hmm. they're both like 
both people end up just as successful as mm-hmm. each other and do things completely differently. And it's, yeah. I just think it's the beauty of also understanding as well, like there is no one right way to do no. anything. And a hundred percent that like, there's no one right way, but whatever way you pick, like you've got to be comfortable in it yourself. Yeah. Like I think the minute you start letting someone else's right way tell you the way that you should be doing it, you, you're going to be doing yourself no, no favours. I know we're, we're moving away from this for a second, but I, I'm curious <laughs> to know, did, did you read a lot or watch a lot of videos or was there anyone that really inspired you on this journey to kind of stick within this like um, or give you confidence to shift and move and um fail and fail fast or um or try new things was was it was it anything you read or listened to or was it just the support system you had or um I think to a degree a big part of it would be watching my dad um we sort of like when I was when we were really little like both my parents were teachers um and then just sort of seeing my dad pursue different elements of his career and, 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 you know, going after things to that, that motivated him and that he thought would help the family out and things like that. So I saw, I saw someone, you know, at the age of, you know, 40 something going back to school and learning again. And, and he, you know, he furthered his education there and, and tried to balance his employment with also going and getting a master's degree. Like just, I guess it taught me that not knowing is just as, is just as okay as knowing because it's, it's about the, the pursuit of the, of the knowledge that's probably more important. So I was really lucky to have that as a, someone to look up to. Um, but then I think I was very fortunate coming back to Australia in that sort of ideas boom that we've had since I came back in, what was it, to probably 2013. I think since then there's been this real shift and it's probably out, out the maturing of our generation where we have, you know, we're willing to, 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 to go after an idea and turn it into a product or turn it into a, a business opportunity or turn it into something, you know, a project. And everyone around me was starting to do that in some degree. And I don't think it was formalized. Like they didn't know they were doing it. They were starting Instagram pages and they were starting, you know, blogs or, and, and, but they were building communities and building audiences, which was creating value for their insights. And then there's been sort of in the last, probably two or three years, a real movement towards, okay, well, that actually creates opportunities. That creates potential, you know, career moves. And so I think I've, I've just been a, uh, someone who's been very fortunate around, with the people around me. And I've also had a, a mindset of s- sort of say yes and work it out later. So I, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I like to absorb what, what's around me. And, and I'm, I've gotten, I guess, maybe a strength of mine is if I don't like it, I can, it's water off a duck's back to a degree. But um, but I I, I want to be in the mix. I want I want to know what people are doing, what they're thinking about, and I want to be entrenched in it to it so that I can pull out the bits of the golden nuggets that I love. It's awesome that your dad was doing that kind of stuff. One, both your parents were were teachers, and two, that he was constantly like things and um, upskilling himself. I think that's really awesome um, to have, and and really cool that you had that because again from their generation it wasn't very common for that to be happening so he must have been a real trailblazer in that in that sense um and and thought on on his own terms so I think that's um really cool um in itself but the second part uh, that I really like is that one that you said like you're a yes man and you're always trying to hear different people's things and I guess maybe that comes back from the transformation that happened in Hong Kong and understanding that that's a really good thing. But I wonder, has being 
a yes ma'am ever gotten you in trouble into okay cool 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 <laughs> what now, learned from, from that well now being a you know father of a one-year-old my I think the yes man mentality is I'm really having to learn the value of prioritization and I've got a you know a beautiful partner now and she without her I wouldn't be able to achieve any of the things I do because my yeses usually mean extra things for her to be responsible for and so I'm I guess more acutely aware now of what I'm missing out on when I I say yes to everything which I think gives me this breadth of experience but now I'm at a, I guess, a new transition in my life or a new stage where well, I'm going to have to start saying no to a lot of things because I want to choose the, the I want to prioritize what's valuable to me. And that's time with, you know, time with my little man, time with her, um, being able to, to focus on, on, I guess, being the best version of me now. I think I've, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just transitioning into the, into a new stage now and finding my new normal, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's awesome. The reason I ask is because I'm very much like a a yes person as well. And over the past two years, I've realized that like it's okay to say no to things and like so like yeah, you feel as though you're missing out on something or a potential of something, which is why I say yes to everything. Because I was like, why wouldn't people say yes? like it? It would confuse me why people wouldn't say yes to any opportunity that crossed their path. And yeah. then I started to realize that like, I think it's it's also ingrained a lot in like hustle culture, right? Of like always doing, needing to do more, like um, working twenty four seven and all of that stuff. And um, although that's amazing in some stages of life for us to experience all of these things, there comes a point where we're like, okay, yeah, I get, I see now why people say no. You know, <laughs> rest is actually important. Spending time with people you care about is important. Doing things that you don't necessarily have to monetize and you just mm-hmm. enjoy doing and don't need to get you anywhere is important as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, really cool to, to hear that you've kind of, you're entering this, this new phase as well of, of understanding how to prioritize things and maybe yes, isn't always, always the only option, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And and I think, yeah, as it sort of alluded to, I think maybe there's an element of maturity and empathy. And and I was, when when you've only got you to worry about, the yeses is fine because it's only going to, you know, you, okay, I, I can hustle a little harder. I can stay up a little bit later. But when, you know, you've got a, a wider network that's dependent on your mental health and your well-being as well, I think you also owe it to them to, to know your, your limitations and your capacities because you want to be the best version of you for them too. So I think that's a, it's a cool learning curve for me because I guess I'm right at that precipice of, you know, I've got some friends that have been dads for quite a few years now. And I've got some friends that are looking at being dads in the next couple of years. So you kind of, I'm watching my friends navigate this, this, this stage in life. And, and, and I'm trying to, you know, learn from what I see is, you know, things that they not regret, but they, they would have done slightly different. And I'm trying to, you know, also be that feedback loop for the ones that haven't done it yet. And I'm telling them, look, things I thought were possible aren't possible or the value that I'm getting out of some downtime is, is, is 10 times more valuable than I ever thought it would have been because you get more than you thought you would once you've experienced it. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. Now we've, we've gotten away from, sorry, <laughs> no, 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 it was, it was me. Cause I was like, I really want to touch on this. I didn't want to make sure that um, we, we lost it. So you've gone to uni, you've, you've done your sports management 
and then there's been something in between before you've done the next degree, right? Yeah. 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 What What was that in between time? What happened once you graduated? Did you go into sports management or? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. Yeah, and so like the story I, um, of eighty percent of people that go to university, they study <laughs> one thing and they do something completely different. And I, and I think, as you said, like that's that's half the reason we go to uni is to be immersed in different experiences to to get us closer to the thing we want. The, the name on the degree, I think, is is you know obviously to if it, if you know that's what you love, awesome. Then then the name on the degree is really important. But if you don't, it's just it, it's a facilitator to more experiences, and it's a facilitator to a wider network. And, and for some people, including myself, it's a facilitator to sort of pushing the responsibilities of life a few years further back because, you know, I've got this, this thing I need to finish. So it kind of gives you that, it gives you some time to, to work yourself out a little bit more. If you, at the end of high school, you're not there yet, which I, I definitely wasn't. I, um, I hadn't found the thing I love at high school. And so, yeah, it took me a few more years. I finished up and I was working at Channel 9. I started with a sort of internship there. And then just spent and through my last couple of years of uni, I was really fortunate and ended up in sort of their marketing department and, and doing some cool work with them. But I, um, I made the Australian side to go play in a world cup over in England. And again, like I'd, you know, I'd been for, for three or four years pursuing this career with channel nine. I really had decided this is what I wanted to do. And then this opportunity came up where I had to go to England for, I think it was like a seven, a six week trip. And work couldn't give me the leave. So I, I remember it was a big crisis. I was like, you know, am I going to forfeit all of the things I've done to pursue this completely selfish opportunity to play in a tournament that, you know, maybe it'll lead to something. But I think if I was being honest with myself, I knew it wouldn't because I knew where I stood in terms of pecking order of ability. But um, but I decided to, to, to resign from Channel 9 and I resigned with the complete support of my managers, which I think is a really, I don't know, important thing to, to for the listeners here is if you are going to transition to something new it doesn't mean you burn bridges like you be transparent you be proactive with the communication and you actually find that the people around you because they care about you because they respect you for who you are will, will be champions of that change for you and I think that's something that I feared a lot until I experienced it was oh I'm gonna piss them off if I tell them I want to leave but it's actually really well um, embraced if, if you go about it in a, in a respectful manner um, but yeah so I, I did the played the tournament over there had the time in my life we actually won it which was you know I would put down as probably the best experience in my life um obviously prior to having having Archie and my little boy um but yeah then came back jobless completely jobless I had a degree um I, my footy career was more or less over I was sort of at that age and nothing had happened I had no job I called on a friend who could get me some work in a warehouse and and I went there and I started on, and I was I started packing pick packing for an e-commerce company and filling trucks to go away to go to, I think it was going to like V8 supercars or something like that and started there at this company and then found a new love, which was event licensed apparel events and, and going and working in all these stadiums and sort of worked myself up in this team there and, and loved ev- absolutely every minute of it. And then I was working um, at the Ashes and I met a CEO of a company while I was working there and he told me about what they were doing over in Asia. And three months later, I packed my bags and I, I moved to Thailand and <laughs> And then I did about um, 18 months there, which was my first foray into technology. And I was really lucky with what they showed me and the opportunities to be a part of it, a sort of an enterprise company and, and understand how big businesses work and, and all the different stakeholders and how important understanding that perspective is. And then on the back of an implementation of some, some software and things there, I, I decided what I wanted to do was nothing to do with corporate at all anymore, was nothing to do with business. 
I wanted to be community minded. I wanted to go to work and help people. So I quit that job and I became a firefighter back in, back in New South Wales and packed my bags in Thailand. I moved back and I started again there. And then I don't want to drag the story on too long, but I was in college as a fiery. I was really happy with now, you know, this idea that every day I went to work, all I could do was make someone's day better. And that took away a lot of the guilt and things I had from some of the corporate work I was doing. And, and it, and it gave me a lot of fulfillment, but week six, I think of being in college as a fiery, I met um, who would turn out to be my future co-founder of, of a company. And we started talking about his ideas. He had these really altruistic outlooks on the world and how technology could help and empower everyone that it engaged with, which to me was exactly what I thought technology could do prior to being over in Asia. And I sort of probably saw the other side of it, how technology can make people redundant. And, and it wasn't how I would, how I would, I guess, utilize it. And yeah, we, we got talking. And then over the next two years, while I was a fiery, we would meet at cafes and we came up with this go-to-market strategy and, and just in our days off. And then sort of three, four years after that. So two years ago from now, we, we, we had a viable product that we launched, which was an app and pivoted and learned and tried 50 different industries. And now we've finally reached that sweet spot for that app and it's doing really, really well. And as of Six weeks ago, I've transitioned as to be an advisor for that app. And now I'm working for a, um, a software partner company who, who what they're doing across the world is incredible. And, and yeah, that's, that's where I am now. <laughs> Wild. There's a, there's a lot of twists and turns, but I, I, I love that because I think it is, it's so important. Like, I think the best part about your story is that when you felt or you got to a point where something didn't feel right anymore you weren't having the joy in it or maybe it didn't align with your values anymore that you had the courage to stop or whether it was circumstance like the first time with the footy you did had this amazing experience you came back and instead of being like oh I'm not going to pack things in a warehouse like that's not I was at channel nine before you were like Mm -hmm. no I need job this is what I'm doing and from there you worked out and And it led you to different places as well. And I think it's so important for people to hear that because if we skipped over a lot of those parts in your story and we just told everyone about, I worked at Channel 9, I played footy overseas, I um, founded this like tech company and all of that stuff, which is the shiny stuff we get to see online, we would have missed the fact that when you decide to live your life in this way, there are a lot of highs And then at some point they come crashing down and you have to like figure out how to do things. And I always talk about that in like, whether it's external factors like COVID hits and, you know, you no longer have a job or you can't do something the way you wanted to, or it's internal factors like the way I think about things now or what I thought I wanted to do is doesn't work anymore. It's going to happen, you know, and there's no point shying away from that. So I just want to say, first off, thank you for being so open in sharing that story because we've talked a lot about the highlights of, of all of those things. But I think it's also important to say that when those moments happen, that it is rough and it can be hard. And that's the times where you can question everything. Like, have I chosen the right path? Is this happening? Mm-hmm. But then staying open to seeing those new opportunities that come through um, it, the next part. Yeah. And, and I think it was probably for me a really important, the, the, the learning parts, so not the shiny parts, probably were, was where I defined, I guess, value in myself away from, I guess, an entitlement guilt. 
that I always had. I mean, coming back from the footy thing and, you know, as you said, like the Hong Kong experience, the England experience, all that, to a degree, you still feel like you owe a lot of any of that to circumstance and to where you didn't put yourself in life and things like that. But coming back and just having to sit there and go take, you know, I guess, what's the, what's the word? Like take account of where you are, what you can do at that moment. And it was, for me, it was going, you know, go, go and pack, pick pack for this e-commerce site and, and, um, and the people I met were, you know, there was some backpackers that were there from England that, that had run out of money doing fruit picking and, and this is where they were. And so we were all at this point in our life where it was like, well, we're, we're taking step, we're starting a new, we're, we're doing what we need to do. But then while we're doing this, let's learn, like, let's, let's engage with each other. Let's grow from this. I met like lifelong friends there. I, I guess it was the first time I felt like who I am as a person individually defined my success. And, and that was a really cool experience. And maybe that experience is something that I'll, I probably should value a little bit more now that like when I look back on it and, and only really through chatting with you about it, like it was probably the, yeah, as I said, the first time that I went, okay, hold on. Nothing about my background helps me in this. How hard I work right now, how available I am, my attitude towards the people around me, my respect for my colleagues, that that's what's going to help me flourish in this environment. And and yeah, and I think maybe those those experiences might have helped me now with 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 where I am, and and I'm I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, no, I, it's so important for people to hear those things. I think because I definitely like the reason I started the millennial crisis was because I was really lost, confused, didn't know what to do, but also was scared to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think whether it's your, you know, I was 22 at the time. So whether you're like 22 and you're scared to be like, I actually don't know what I want to do or where I want to go, or you're 28, 32, 35, and you're like, the way things are going right now actually isn't in line with what I want to do. And, mm-hmm. or I've been made redundant or I had to quit my job or I got fired, whatever the circumstance is, that it's okay okay to do something else and it's it's that ego or that oh what are people going to think that really separates those two kinds of people right the ones that mm-hmm. are going to try something else and try a new experience and sure it might be uncomfortable in the beginning and you might feel like a failure or whatever but then it actually being like the best thing you've ever done and teaching you all of these new lessons and I guess it goes back to that perspective thing right of like yeah. um being okay with asking questions and talking to other people and being open about all of the experiences that you're having or what you're going through. And yeah, I think, I think it's, it's really awesome. It's really cool. And, and I think it's a brilliant part of your, of your story too. I think exactly some of the attributes you just said really feed into the concept. I mentioned it before the psychological safety and when you feel like psychologically safe and, and you feel like you, you know, you can go through those experiences and be okay coming out the other side. I think that's probably more important than avoiding the experience altogether. And I, and I, I was really lucky. I got to do some talks uh, with some school kids that were just finishing year 12 about resilience and just talking to them about um, it, you don't have to avoid the bad thing. You just have to be prepared for when the bad thing happens to get the most out of it. And, and that's what, and that's sort of what's going to be the difference between feeling psychologically safe because you're going to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm entering a minefield that is life. Mm. And every so often I'm going to step on a mine, but am I equipped to come out the other side of that? Or am I equipped to, to, to build myself back up in a better way, right? Like, and, that's, and that's something that I think is really, really important, especially for our generation where we are going to have 
so many different mo- moments in our life which are so different to the ones prior to it. We we need to be okay with some of those not being good, and 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 that's uh, that's something that I think is really important that we with friends and with networks we talk about it and we become comfortable enough and psychologically safe enough to say I don't like where I am right now. I don't love this job that I'm in. I don't feel like what I'm doing is leading towards happiness. Cool. All right. Well, let's get you equipped with with going back on the right trajectory. It's, you know, it's not it's not about always knowing where you're going. It's just about you know being safe through the journey or or being equipped through the journey. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's a I I like that word psychologically safe. I think that's, well, that's not my word, but yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, no, no, it's no. But I think it's yeah. I think that's that's really cool. There's there's something I want to ask. You said earlier something about questioning where you are or feeling guilty that it was circumstance or it was you were in a more privileged position, your life and how you had these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Can you dive in a little bit deeper about that? Because I think this is something that a lot of us experience of feeling, especially one now, because we have a lot more information and I'm sure like you living in different countries would have added perspective to that and a different element to it. But two, we can almost say, oh, I, I just fell into this job because I was here or like, oh, I just got this because of that. And then not actually give ourselves any credit. And and there is a, a definitely, we can all acknowledge like a element of privilege in where we are. And it's important for us to acknowledge those things, but then to not also negate all of the work mm-hmm. that we do because of that. So what was that process like for you in coming to terms with all of that stuff? Yeah, I think, I guess it, it goes, it follows a timeline of maturity, right? Like you, a lot of the things when I was a bit younger, I was quite defensive of the fact that, you know, I think everyone has the same opportunity as me. You, you have no right to tell me otherwise. And and that's not the case, right? Like that's, and, and, and generally speaking, there's attributes of each of our lives where we're given, we're given a, a leg up to some degree. And whether it's, you know, in, in for me with the motivation I got from my dad, that, that in itself is a leg up. It doesn't always have to be a financial thing. It doesn't always have to be a networking thing. It could just be you were you were privy to an experience which makes you better equipped for something that may happen later in life. And as I said, to start with, I was really defensive of that. And I felt like it, it threatened my success and it threatened how I should feel about me. But then I guess when I looked at it more holistically and I started to notice that, well, there's these little things that everybody experiences that lead them to being who they are and and it could look at it as a leg up, but only if you're willing to absorb it and be, you know, um, what's the word, uh, open to it and open to, to understanding the, the value in it. I don't think it defines your success. I just think it's, you know, it, it's a part of, I guess, our path on life. And yeah, I don't know, I'd like, I guess the, the timeline was defensive and then getting a wider perspective and probably having an understanding of, you know, like going to Hong Kong and seeing the wealth gap, right? Like I, I saw that there was people doing incredible things and they, they were coming from, from nothing. Like the, the educational system in Hong Kong is testament to that. The, you know, these kids that are living in government housing are, are learning at a, an incredible rate and are so in, like insanely smart because that's something that they have a tangible access to, right? Like they can get information. So they're leveraging that access to information. They don't have the other things that potentially they would love to have but they have the information. So they're making the most of that attribute of their life. So I started to look at it and I said, and I, and I guess I started to go, okay, cool. 
the, the value isn't in denying yourself the outcome. The value is just being aware of the different attributes that got you there and then utilizing that awareness to give to someone else around you and uplift everyone around you. It's not about looking at the person who's achieved something and going, what did they have I didn't to get them there? It's about looking at what it is they had and how can we all have that, right? Like, and I think there's an element of that in Australia with the tall poppy syndrome. We, we look at one person going up and we want to pull them back. And I really think our generation and, I'm, and, I, and from what I'm seeing and from the conversations I'm having, even with the generation younger than ours, that's a shift, right? And it's a, and it's a shift where it's like, well, how do we as a community lift all of us up and get to something really great? And then we can celebrate as a community rather than celebrate as an individual. And I think that's, that's probably the most important uh, frame of mind that we can have now. And I, and, and, and I might be getting a bit long on the point, but I just it's really cool to see that that's also the ethos behind a lot of the startups and it's the ethos behind a lot of these new disruptive technologies. It's about not trying to be everything to everyone. It's about working out what you're really good at and doing that really well. And then using the strengths of everyone around you to have a really great outcome and being open to that sort of collaboration and to that yeah, community minded environment. Two, two parts to it is you don't knock yourself up too much about things that you think helped you get to where you are, but at the same time, be aware of the things that helped you get to where you are and be appreciative of them and, and try and use those things for the people around you, lift them all up. I love the way you said all of that. And I think it's something that I find really common in particular in millennials and the difference that I see between millennials and Gen Z. Like you mentioned, like it's super inspiring to see the generation below us actually wanting to build a world that, like you said, uplifts everyone and evens the playing field a lot more. And I think for a lot of millennials, we have this like guilt of the way we grew up and the values that sometimes we had or the perspectives that we had and now realizing like sometimes like, oh, that was that wasn't that great. Like I look back at a lot of the things that like the way I looked at things very black and white and no, you just haven't tried or or these kinds of things. And then you come, you educate yourself. The internet helps a lot with all the information that we have now. And we get to hear different people's stories, which again, I think why conversation and community is so important. And we can acknowledge, oh, okay, just because I wasn't as lucky in this element doesn't mean that other people that were less lucky than me or were less in a better position than me and how then can I give back and I think that's where a lot of our we need work with purpose comes in as well mm-hmm. it's like getting rid of some of that guilt and I think you mentioned something like that about before about the guilt that you had from that corporate work that you were doing you mm-hmm. felt as though you wanted to give back in another way and I definitely felt a similar shift like And it's circumstance a lot of the time, like we can look at people and be like, oh, why are you working for this company that doesn't align with your values? And it's like, because at the end of the day, we live in a capitalist society, we need money to live. And sometimes you don't have a choice. And it's a privilege for us to be able to say, Hmm. you know what, the business that I was working for no longer aligns with my values, or I've had a shift in perspective. Now I want to do something else. That's Mm -hmm. the big privilege in itself that we're able to do that stuff. And I think we can all kind of um, get judgmental in all different ways of of whether it's like, oh, you've got more privilege or you don't. And um, that's why like having these kinds of conversations is, is so important for us to acknowledge. There's a lot of different factors that come into things, right? And, and I think that the, exactly the word you said, and it's probably something that I try and be mindful of myself and, and with the people around me, you can either be judgmental 
like of the people around you or you can understand, right? And, and the, both of them are exactly the same process. To judge someone, you, you have to have an, a thought or, of them and you're thinking about them, but you can either think about it in a negative light or you can think about it in the light of, okay, well, how can I help that, you know? And then I think that's something that we should all really be focused on is rather than judge someone for where they are or the circumstance that got them there, understand it and also be empathetic of someone else, right? And, and, and as soon as you take that judgment away, it's, and I'm feeding back to it, it it's going to create psychological safety for those people to then tell you things that you might want to hear about yourself and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and you're only going to get that when you remove judgment and, and increase understanding. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and empathy is a key word there. We all, and it's so easy for us to get caught up in those snap moments, you know, especially in the pace that we live in now, like we live so fast paced and it's easy for us to snap and remove that understanding and that empathy side of things. Cause sometimes it's easier for us to do that, you know, yeah. than to acknowledge why someone is thinking or experiencing something else um, that it's super and, important. And I think our mediums and it's not that it, 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 it's not that it wipes us of all fault or blame, but our mediums are set up to remove understanding, right? Like, it, what what we used to do was write like big long like diary entries when we you know when, you know, MySpace and, and there was I can't even remember what some of the other ones were but you it was all big like fluffy this is how I'm feeling all that stuff and then we've gone too much too much too much too much and then now what we're seeing is you, your mates putting up a photo of them and their fiance in the Maldives or something mm. and all you, you don't understand that he spent or she spent the last three years saving money for this dream experience. And they've, they've been on, you know, mega ring for every night to get to this moment. And this is them celebrating that moment. The first thing we do is like, you're rubbing it in our face. It's like, no, they don't have, like, that's that judgment versus understanding. It's, and, and I think that's such an important thing for us to just really hone in on is we are being set up to judge each other and, and, and it creates that div- division. Whereas, you know, those mediums could, could open a lot of conversations. There's that photo of them in the model. I'd ask them, how's it going? Like, how did you get to that opportunity? I would love to do that too. That sort of, you know, that, that build up kind of mentality. And I guess it goes back to the rate that technology is evolving and the lack of education around it as well. Mm. Um, in terms of things like, you know, we're able, like you, you mentioned, like, the barriers to entry are so low now that everyone can start whatever business and it's so easy to start that stuff. And then where we fall short is like, even in schools now, like there's no education around how to navigate social media or the internet and stuff like that, which is to me was like, I only found that out last year and I thought that was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Like how do these kids have access to all of this stuff? And no one explains to them like, this isn't, like this isn't real life and that's where they're living their lives you know online um which 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 is a whole other thing in itself but yeah you're you're so right it is it is about having more understanding and and trying to look at the bigger picture rather than judging off that initial thing that you've seen of someone and it's a shift from that protective mentality to that embracing mentality like just because someone has something that's not a it's not a threat against you it's actually a chance to learn and understand and grow and go, okay, cool. You got it. So how can we get that? This other person get that. Yeah. It's, it, I, I see, I see stuff like that as a conversation starter rather than a, than a, a barrier. Yeah. And if you want to get through to someone, you're never going to get through to them coming at them. The only <laughs> way you're going to get through to anyone is in every session I teach digital marketing classes and everything, like someone always says, oh, but my manager won't let me do this and that and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, yes, they won't. 
how do we move away from that? You can't just get annoyed at them. We need to figure mm-hmm. out another strategy to be able to get your point across. Otherwise, everyone loses. And we exactly that example. And the thing that we do is is ask why. Like, why aren't they letting you do it? Is there a fear? Is it, well, okay, well, the best way to mitigate fear is understanding. So go have a chat about, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it, you can always ask another why and you can get a little bit closer to understanding the true motivators and and when you you know that that's how you build trust i feel like we could go on a tangent about this for ages but unfortunately we are running out of time um but i do have three questions that i ask my guests at the end of every episode um so we will jump into those right now before we move into the challenge which i'm really excited about your challenge uh, because i think it's going to be really good for people to trial so the first question that i have for you is what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now i reckon it goes as far back as when i was like i think it was like year one or year two whatever it was when they brought in the Apple Max, you know, the colourful little uh-huh. computer things. Yeah. And it was really overwhelming. All like you know, it was like we were learning computers, right? And like it and I I embraced that challenge at that point and it was something no one knew. And I spent more time on it. And I actually like it became like it's, it sort of defined me to a little bit to to I'm gonna win this thing about this new concept that's around us. And then that gave me the confidence in every other point in my life where something new came up and it and it sort of was it was overwhelming and no one had a solution for it yet and it was like well I've been here before I've played Nenosaur on the Apple IMAX and I, and I was the best at it <laughs> and then like and that and that, yeah I think I honestly think that if I'd been in a and it could have been just the mood I was in that day the day they brought they opened the IT lab at the school and we all went in there I wanted to I wanted to understand this new weird thing and now you know i every day there's a new weird thing being made and being pushed on us in our lives. And you can either be scared of them or you can, you can own them. And that's, that's probably what's helped me get to here. I love that. That's good. <laughs> I love like the older you get, you reflect more back on like what got you here. Like all the time <laughs> I find like so many people are doing that more now and we pinpoint it at the most random thing, <laughs> but that is, that's awesome. And I, 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 I think that's a, that's a really cool small step. It's like ch- challenging your yourself with with change um which has been a theme in your life it seems anyway so uh, <laughs> amazing uh the next question i have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now and i define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being the, the one i'm thinking of probably end up causing more issues than it helps then I, I, I don't know if we can cut it out or whatever but probably yeah. if I'm being honest the the COVID vaccine like I think I still want to have another kid and I don't know all the information and I think it's a little bit too quick and I also don't want to be selfish when it comes to who I might be harming by not getting it there's I'm in you know I'm, I'm in a, a world of hurt in my head about what's appropriate or responsible but also I, I don't want to wear I'm not in a position of risk right I'm in a country that's handled this really well and there's the risk versus reward of this is, is it really kind of scares me that I would be for my own, for a thing that makes me worry 5%, I'm going to put something in my body and that could potentially cause all kinds of outcomes to a future child of mine or, you know, that's, I don't know, do you reckon that's a... When it comes to any of our millennial crisis, one, they either sound completely ridiculous or two, you feel like a bit of a wanker saying it, right? And... <laughs> 
And I think that, again, having an open conversation about this the way you are, it's like a lot of people are thinking the same but feel as though they can't because they'll automatically be categorised in in one space or another Um, as well. But what you're saying is like being a dad and and having this other experience in your life has made you consider like, okay, I've asked why everywhere else. Why can't I ask why for this particular situation as well? It's a scary time and it's, and I think it's a millennial crisis because imagine being in some of those countries where things aren't being handled as well, like India and stuff like that at the moment, like how selfish you would be to even be considering that. They would you know, do anything for the access to the medical facilities that we have and we're sitting here and, and we're sitting in our, you know, our ivory tower and saying, well, oh, maybe not. Like that's, yeah, it's a real challenge to, to not feel selfish on both fronts. We're just clarifying here that Matt's not saying that he's not <laughs> want to do things he's just set he's just asking the questions and saying this is the thoughts that he's saying and these are his millennial crisis yeah like and and and, and just yeah i guess to, to yeah. clarify, <laughs> to when, clarify when, that. <laughs> when, and, and when the the opportunity arises like i'm not for or against i just yeah. i just feel like anyone in in any decision they make in life should have as access to the opportunity to discuss it Exactly. No, I I 100% agree. The final question I have for you is, what is one thing you are still curious about or want to explore? I reckon since having Archie, our little boy, I think there's a big gap in, this is coming only from my perspective, obviously, the, the paternal educational stuff. And I would love to know more about the thing, like I, I, I look at my partner and I see her level of connection went from when Archie was born and, and, and all those sort of things. And, and she just seems to know what to do for the baby. <laughs> and I, I, would, I would love that, like that to be a more comfortable conversation or, or, or more information around it for the, for the dads and, and for people like myself, like I, I want the best for him obviously and the best for her but I, I feel lost. And so I'm probably, um, the next thing in my life I really want to dive into is, is a mix of emotional intelligence for, for sort of young children, but also skill acquisition for, you know, watching him now develop, you know, walking and, and, and grabbing things and moving. And I really want to understand the, the nuts and bolts behind that. And so that's what I think for me is probably leading me to the next stage in my life and, and the next educational journey. And I think it's going to be, understanding what's going on in that little man's head a little more <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's awesome it sounds it sounds like like you said you've lived your life in these different phases and this is the next phase where you're starting from scratch essentially of not knowing mm. much at all and now having to learn on the job on the job which essentially being a parent is a job right you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah the, cool. the, the hardest job i've ever seen <laughs> yeah crazy 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 well thank you for that and how exciting for you to to move into this new new phase of your life with um little Archie that's so exciting before we get to the challenge is there any message or kind of last little send off or note that you'd want for anyone who is listening right now who maybe a little stuck or maybe a little lost or just doesn't feel as though they have the courage right now to take to mm-hmm. take new step um, into things or feel like they can't. Yeah. I I need to, and I might get the actual wording of the quote wrong, but I think it's super valuable for people feeling like that. 
is don't compare your chapter one to the end of someone's book. And you can start a new book and you can, you know, at, at any stage in your life. And when you decide to do that, you need to then be willing to look at it from someone else's, you know, your chapter one and their chapter one, because you're going to want to start something new, but the things that threaten you are where everyone else is, right? But they're halfway or three quarters of the way through that book. And so I, I, I could be getting the words wrong, but just it's super important to always keep in the back of your mind. You're in your own race. You know what makes you great. Like, you know, your strengths, you know, your weaknesses, and, and, and you need to be like comfortable with them. Right. And then, so, and your, and your chapter one, that that's all that matters. You, you know, you know where you are on your journey and, and only judge yourself against your own, your own intrinsic feelings, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. That's really brilliant advice. Um, thank you for that. Now you have a challenge for everyone this week, which I'm actually super excited for people to do this because I think it's brilliant. Um, so did you want to let everyone know what you would like them to, to do this week? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that, that sort of uh, puts the brakes on for us or holds us back is is the not, you know where you want to be and you know where you are, but you don't know the path in between. So I think a, a challenge, and I think it, it, if the organisations that you do this with are worth their weight, you will, you will hear something back. And if you don't, then it means they're probably not the, the place that you wanted to be doing it anyway. My challenge is apply for your dream job right now. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are. It doesn't matter where you are in your book. It doesn't matter what chapter you're at. The job that you would, you right now inside yourself, you consider as your dream job, apply for it. Put your CV in with the skills that you have right now. And if, if they write back to you, they're going to give you some golden nuggets of the path, right? They're going to say, well, you didn't have this and you didn't have this and you didn't have this. That is all really positive and powerful information because not only does it let you know how to get there, it lets you know if you want to do the key milestones between here and there. And if the thing you love is actually built up of things that you're also going to love, because as we said in the thing, the shiny stuff doesn't really reflect the, the hard stuff. And when you go for a job and, and you know, they define the, the requirements, the, the stuff in there might not be things that, that resonate with you the same way. And you're going to save yourself you know, a, a lot of hardship because you're going to pursue something that you think is useful to that, to that outcome, but you haven't given yourself a roadmap. So my challenge is, yeah, go think about what your dream job is. What, if you could wake up tomorrow morning and go to work at your ideal uh, organization doing your ideal role, find that. There's plenty of jobs being advertised on Seek at the moment submit your CV and your cover letter and just see what they come back with and start building a roadmap between here and there. I love that. No, that's really good. And I think even just the pre-process of reading the job descriptions of what mm -hmm. they are going to give you a lot of insights anyway on what kind of software they use, what kind of skill sets they like, what type of person you need to be. And then like Matt said, reflecting on that and how you can build those things or if you want to um, build those things. Because again, like the Maldives image uh, example that you said earlier, we look at someone that has our dream job. We see one photo of them and we're like, yes, I want that job. And then when we dive in deep of what they actually do every day, you're like, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can enjoy those perks in another way um, instead of instead of the way they're doing it. And, and I just thought of it then, and, and as if, you, if you've got the, the spare time on your hands as sort of an ancillary thing, find someone with that job on LinkedIn and reach out to them and ask them what it is they love about it. I mean, if, again, if they're worth their weight, they'll, they'll respond. And, and, and just ask them, well, what makes that job great? How did you get to where you are now? What were the hurdles? You know, 
open conversations. That's that's probably the crux of everything we've talked about is be willing to open a conversation because you never know what you'll get back. Exactly. And if they don't respond, then take that as an opportunity to look at the way you sent a message and be like, okay, yes. well, if they didn't answer in that way, how can I adjust this message and ask someone else with the same job title what they're doing? Because um, I know when I was in uni and I was messaging people, the first few messages I sent to people were all like me centered. And if I read one of those mm-hmm. messages now, I'd be like, I'm not going to waste my time responding to this kid that's like (laughs) nothing and actually knows nothing about me or what I'm doing. Um, So yeah, take, take that as its own learning curve too. Thank you so, so much, Matt, for um, chatting with me today, for being so open, for sharing your story. Um, I know I learned a lot and I'm sure everyone else um, was super inspired and motivated by, by your story and, um, where where your life has taken you and your outlook on things so i really appreciate that if people do want to connect with you or let you know um how they went with with this week's challenge where can they do that yeah um they can connect with me on linkedin um which is just the linkedin.com and then my name yeah Yeah. um and then if if they if they want to if, if and i guess more specifically, if they're wanting to understand anything about the technology side of, of sort of how you come to creating a product, taking it into business, things like that, they can contact me at matthew.war at equalexperts.com. Um, and, and, and again, so that's, a, that's, a, that's an organisation which is built on a community of, of people that have global perspectives and, and like taking on challenges. So, I mean, you know, you're going to find someone in there that's going to be willing to talk to you and, and, and help you out, even if it is just, you know, friend to friend. And um, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that for anyone who is? Because I know we have a lot of listeners that are always wanting to jump into new spaces. And can you tell us a little bit about what um that is, so that if anyone is interested or or fits within that, that they can reach out in that way as well and take a look at all of that. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So it was kind of cool the the way it came about. So I obviously had Connecty, and and we'd built this product, and we'd gone through hell, and iterated, and pivoted, and finally found our market fit. And then I came across this network called Equal Experts, and and they've built this sort of ethos or this mentality around, well, you want to make sure that someone is going to want to do a project. They want to do some digital transformation. They want to create something. So if you can give them the the brain power of people that have done this a thousand times over with global perspectives in different markets and things like that, you're going to be able to make sure that they, the thing they wanting to do is the right thing. And that's sort of the key first element of this. But then once you know what you want to do and that's the right thing, you want to build it the right way. And so I'm kind of talking in a broad sense, but it's, it's this, this ethos around, well, you partner with someone who want, who, who wants to make you the hero of the story, make you the, you know, the hero of the journey, but equip you with that perspective and that understanding and that global sort of experience to go, okay, well, these are the potential risks and pitfalls. Let's, let's de-risk that, make it more efficient, make it better. And then that way, when, when you get your outcome, it's going to be more aligned to what it was you wanted in the first place. And it's going to be in, you know, best of breed sort of um, design and, and, and engineering pr- uh, practices. So for someone listening in, who's got an idea, more or less it's, have a chat early on before diving too deep into it. And then I'm more than happy to sort of give feedback and things like that around, you know, how you should start to triage that idea and, and, and where to go with your first steps and, and who knows what can come from it. Awesome. That sounds great. And we'll put all the links. Uh, you'll give them to me after the, 
show and we'll put all the links to that as well for anyone who wants to check that out too um but that is all thanks so much matt um for chatting with me today and um i look forward to hearing back from everyone that um <laughs> is listening today on how they went with the challenge and what they thought about today's episode i think the, the cool thing will be and i don't know if it'll happen but it, it it wouldn't be the first time i've heard of it if someone comes back and says i got it like a job that they thought was so far out of their reach yeah and they and I, I mean I, I say that from the experience of my old man like when he went for the job in Hong Kong I remember him saying to me like openly at a you know I was 11 years old I'm just wanting to know what it is I would need to get a job like this and he was vulnerable enough to say that to me as his kid and um and then he called me from Hong Kong after the interview and he said I got it would you move to Hong Kong with me and like you know that that was a pretty cool experience to see you know if, and that's probably where this came from from my side like that's the motivator he just went for something that he wanted to know one day what he would need to, to achieve it. And, and he got it. And that changed his life and changed our life. Wild, 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 wild. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. And enjoy the rest of your day. No worries. You too. Thanks, Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chat. If you do this week's challenge, as always, share it to your stories. Be sure to tag me at the millennial crisis or let Matt know how you went. If you did find this episode valuable and some gems, the best thing you can do for me is share it with a friend, share it on socials or leave me a review. It helps so much and allows me to continue to get amazing guests on the podcast like Matt. Thanks so much for listening. Can't believe we made it to episode 50. I'll see you again next week. Bye.